0: Welcome to G-Talk. dedicated to helping you discover your purpose by helping you build intimate relationships and a lifestyle of thankfulness. Listen to us today as we discuss a new challenging topic aimed to encourage you and to challenge you, but most importantly, to build you up in your relationships with each other and with God. Stay tuned. Welcome to G-Talk. and am your host, Terrence and Adara Clark. And this is Terrence coming to you once again. And just wanting to continue in our study this week and just kind of bringing you... Today is going to be a little bit different. Uh, what I want to do this week, and again, I just want to thank you all for joining, listening in. And uh, we've been really working through the book of Revelation, well, really just the three chapters, but um, did a couple of things I want to bring up today. And just wanting to kind of cover a, a little bit different than normal. As we have have been, been working through this, I want to do a little bit of cleanup today. There's just some pieces that I've not been able to to share. I think last week I said I wanted to get to them and didn't get to them. And so this week I'd like to uh, take a few minutes and do this. other thing I want to say is I'm going to complete this in three weeks. So uh, after today, three more, and then uh, Darren and I will get back to um, our time together and, and really going through the studies and, and, and sharing. And, and hopefully I think we're looking forward to, kind of taking a different swing on, on things as we come back. And we'll, I'll just share a little bit more of that as we, as we move forward. But as for today, uh, let's pick it up because I just want to, there's some, there's some things and and, that I like to just share, you know, as we've been talking about the book of revelation and really, really digging into the study and appreciate um, you for, you know, just jumping in and listening each week. You know, obviously this is a huge piece of, you know, digging into revelation and all, but really what I want to highlight and really communicate today and spend some time talking about is really understanding, you know, the importance of, of, of the Lord himself. Now I've, I've said this a few times and I'm going to continue to say it. This is a revelation of Jesus. And if there's ever a time that we need a revelation of him, it's today. And I really want to highlight that because I think so often this book gets mixed up in judgment and and even, you know, trying to figure out the details as to what's going to happen. But if you but the whole idea of the book is to reveal Christ, is to reveal who he is. And I think when we go in looking for anything other than that, I really believe that we're going to miss, you know, the the real a crux of the book, you know, the real understanding, the real purpose behind why it's there. It's not so much that we understand, you know, and I know there have been so many that have, you know, pulled this book apart and have worked to say, okay, you know, this is the antichrist and these are the different nations. And then, you know, you've got the, the bowls and the wrath and judgment, you know, but the reality is that the the, the goal of the book or the purpose really is to see Jesus And so it's really important for us to highlight that and to recognize that Jesus is trying to give us a glimpse of who he is and he's really wanting us to know him. And that really is what this is about. And so I think, you know, as the, as especially over the last 30, 40 years where it really got really big and in terms of trying to dig the book apart. And I, I've done that myself. I've spent many years, you know, studying to understand pre trib post-trip, millennialism, all these different things. And, and don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that, that there's not some, maybe some truth behind that and some pieces that could really be helpful or inspiring for people. But the goal, the real goal and piece picture of this book is to know who Christ is and that it would illuminate us to knowing him and how we're to respond during these seasons and times and seeing who he is. And so I just want to speak to us around that. And I want to speak to us today some specific things because I think sometimes there's a lot of things in scripture that get that get missed. And so today I want to do some cleanup. And what I mean by cleanup is I want to talk about some things that are in the scripture that are here in Revelation and that are in other locations that are really important that I think can just add some highlight because they point us again back to christ and then as we get to those last three uh we will work on you know um, just kind of uh, finishing up on these last three churches but the whole idea again is to point you to jesus and to, for you to know him and to love him and to really see that his purpose and goal is love it's like i want i love you so much that the preparation of the bride and preparing us to be prepared for his return and being prepared to see him when we go those are things that are the are really the priority and uh, you know we oftentimes it gets missed it just does uh, you know being i think being a, a species when I, you know humans we're just we're always after details and and we are a people that really likes to you know especially as americans we we tend to be logical and like to you know like science and you know, and, 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 nail things down a certain way. We like to explain and expound, you know, our whole scientific uh, methodology that we generally use, right? Uh, it's we, that's what happens as we get into the book and we turn it into that. But I really want to keep us focused today and hopefully, you know, I don't, I don't know how long I'll be, but I'm going to try to keep it shorter than normal and uh, really dig into some of that piece. So first of all, let me just say this. Because a lot of people don't realize, you know, you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we know that the four of them, you know, maybe I should back it up and say, historically there has been, and, and even in Revelation, there is the the uncovering of, uh, in chapter five of Revelation, right? It gets into the, um, the living, the, I'm trying to find it here. Um, oh, wrong chapter. Here we go. Okay, so it talks about that um, there is the cre- the living creatures, right, that are before the throne, 11th verse. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders and the number of them, right? And so there has been several times where we see the living creatures. In fact, uh, verse 6, and I looked, to behold in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures— these four living creatures are described to us as being four different things, a man, right? An ox, uh, um, a lion, and an eagle. And we see this throughout scripture. Actually, I, I didn't put them in order. Lion, ox, man, eagle, right? These are really important. First of all, they are living creatures that stand before the throne all the time, but. It's important, I think, as believers for us to understand and maybe begin to put together some things that God, I think, wants us to understand and wants us to begin to see him and recognize uh, the symbolisms of things that he's wanting to do. And so there's a lot. We see these four creatures. We see them in the Old Testament um, numerous times in the throne room. Uh, You know, Daniel was there. Ezekiel was there. There were many Isaiah saw the throne, so many of them and oftentimes these four creatures. Were there as well, and so it's important. I just want to kind of cover some of that today because I think it could be very helpful. First of all, it really lines up even with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We have the representation of the lion, right? So you know, if you just want to, even with Matthew being uh, writing to the Jews and presenting Jesus as the King of the Jews, much like the lion is the King of beasts, right? And then um, Mark representing the, the 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 New Testament and representing Christ as the servant right the ox or the or the or the, or the um, the bull right they're kind of the same creature and so uh, the servant it's a servant animal and it's one where Jesus gives his life and we see Jesus shown in this way in scripture when you read the book of Mark uh, that he highlights and shows Jesus servanthood. And then you get to Luke, Luke being a physician, right? And so Luke uh, really shows Jesus as a man and really um, highlights that. You know, he goes in a lot of detail in the crucifixion about what was going on. And just the things that you go through, you will see in that, um, that highlighting of recognizing that part. And then, of course, the eagle and the highlighting of that in John and uh that overcoming and uh there's some you know some prophetic pieces and and just uh each one of those represented now we see that the, the this creature these you know these creatures are before the throne well they're also represented here in revelation and it really becomes helpful for us to understand that throughout the you know and i'm and this is something again i'm not gonna i really haven't had time to kind of take you through as we've been Going through these, I said, remember I said at the beginning that there were, these are seven different time periods. Well, these seven time periods kind of go uh, also, the, each one of those animals, you know, I shouldn't call them animal. well, you know, man, ox, lion, eagle, creatures, each one of these also really represents a different aspect of the time period that is really, that was really, that the church is going through. There was a period where we are like the lion. And uh, the, when the church was originally founded, they came out roaring like a lion. They were very, very strong. And they stood up, even though they were, they were really being challenged. It was as though they had this for a number of years. We can say right up to the first 300 years or so they really acted in this way it was they just they grew amazingly they couldn't be stopped and they really um just carried the gospel to a great i mean really to the world in a short amount of time then all of a sudden we get to the 300s and their turns it it changes to a period in which we begin to see the church really becoming persecuted and it really goes on really um, for about, you know, 1200 years or so. In fact, I think the numbers have been estimated that about 70 million, and that might be, that's a conservative, about 70 million Christians died during that time pe- period. That's 70 million, M, million. I mean, that's a lot of people. A lot of people gave their lives for the gospel during that those 1200 years or so as a result of just the way that it was it, the gospel was spreading and what the church at that time you know was was doing anyone that did not follow after what Rome had established was murdered and that's just the way it was and so it was a, a hideous period I recommend that you do go in and study that if you've never studied the history of of the church where it's, it's pretty sad. I mean, there's a lot of books out there. The easiest one, one you've probably heard of is Fox's Book of Martyrs, which you know, takes a very, very small number of people, but it does describe very, very clearly the types of deaths that people were dying. And uh, unfortunately, we don't it's, un, it's very difficult to get the numbers in, in that book, but I can tell you the numbers are conservatively 60, 70 million people gave their lives that way, being tortured. Um, much like the lamb you know and you know the ox at the altar and so we could see that period and then all of a sudden it shifted you know right around 1500 uh, with Martin Luther and the changing of the church all of a sudden it changes and we become very much like the man and what I can say is if you follow the church between 1500 and 1900 I'm and I'm being very, I'm not being specific, okay? On dates, because like I've said earlier, that these dates kind of correlate. They kind of spread over one another, so one doesn't just end and the other just starts. There's some there's some overlap and there's some gap, and and it's not exactly 1500. It's probably more like 1520, and it's more like 1906, probably. I like to think of it when when the um, the Pentecostal movement began with with. Uh, you know, there in California, the Zeusa street I had 1906. I would kind of look at that as starting the Eagle period, but you can take, give or take a few years. I mean, we know that there was, you know, a great move also taking place in, in Europe before that, you know, in the late 1800s and early 1900s. And so, you know, in Wales and, you know, so we could easily say that that was part, it's no, one's trying to be, be real specific, just general generalization of time, you know, and that, but the idea was, If you go back and study the history of that time period, what you will discover is that there was an incredible season of time of men really building and escalating and putting together. I mean, there was it's almost very difficult. The inventions that, you know, it was like the the um, the the writing press, you know, finally came out. And so the Bibles were being printed. Uh, you get into Martin Luther and est- establishing not only a church during that time, but very, 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 very rigid standards. We see men rising up after him. I mean, and there were many people. Okay, and, and so I'm not pleased. You know, if you're if you're listening, I mean, there were. It's impossible to to in a short period of time say all the men, you know, and women that were at that time and what they're doing. But if you go back and look at the season. There were a lot of things, uh, for instance, the Methodist, um, the Wesleys, they established, some of you may not know that the word Methodist really means methods. They established some methods, and they were very, very much needed because when you come, the way the church had come out of Rome, and there had been, everybody was being taught based on what Rome was declaring and making people do, And so people really they took the Bible away, people didn't know what to do. And so you have Martin Luther step in and you had others stepping in. And then the, the, the Wesley stepped in and what they provided was sound doctrine and sound teaching on on the way to live. And so we see, in a sense, men, you know, that that aspect of men stepping in, obviously under the anointing of the spirit. But these men stepped in and began to establish the foundations of the church and, you know, getting the Bible back out to, peop, to, to the world and, you know, doing things like, you know, making sure that it was articulated well and it was translated and all those different things that took place. So it was really a time period of men. And then we get to the 1900s where we really begin to see the, the move of the spirit take place there was a, a, a an actual transition the church moved into, much like the ego, and we see the move of the spirit and and the numbers are would be fascinating if you were to just go out and look at how many people before nineteen hundred even knew what the movement of the spirit is and today how many people can have been baptized in the Holy Spirit through and I know that, you know, through what would be considered speaking of tongues and and the gifts of the spirit, right? So uh, pr- prophetic and and some of the other tools and things that are happening. I mean, that really began around 1900. So what I'm trying to express here is we're, we've seen it's important for you in your studies and that the whole point of me sharing this is not for you just to go, oh, okay, you know, cause I know it's easy to just go, well, I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you a giant download and but the idea is that maybe you can go in your own time and, and really study this out, see these creatures, because you'll, you'll find them uh, throughout the scriptures. You can just do a, an easy search on, you know, the, um, uh, the four living, the creatures. You know, if you go to Revelation and, and find them, then you can, you can easily do a, a cross-reference and it'll take you through uh, a lot of the Old Testament passages, which, which kind of deal with that. But it's important to understand because we see that we in this, as we look through these church, the church, there's an under, there needs to be an understanding also of the mindset of the church and what God is doing through, through the seasons that he's doing it in, in reference to us living up to the very, you know, because remember that this creature is before the throne, it's another picture of who he is this is who jesus is i mean like i said matthew mark luke and john expresses the nature of jesus or you know and who he is and god and who he is and so these are important things for you and i to understand to dig in and to learn and to know a little bit more about that and how that reveals to us christ and the 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 great um Uh, God that we serve. And so uh, that's one thing. The second thing would be the rainbow. And, you know, again, I'm throwing, I'm throwing out some things that typically we're not, you know, we just don't get an opportunity to talk or hear much about. I know I'm very rarely, you know, hear about some of these things, but it's important. You know, in, in Genesis chapter nine, we know that when Mo, when, when Noah comes off the ark that God puts a rainbow in the cloud and, you know, you know, so it, a lot of folks don't realize that there had not been rain until this time. And so that's why there had not been a rainbow. But, you know, so, and, and, and today there seems to be a fight for the rainbow, but I want you to understand that, you know, if you go into Ezekiel chapter one, verse 28, it tells us that the rainbow is also above the, um, the throne of God that there is a rainbow and you see it twice in revelation, revelation four, three. It tells us that there was a rainbow around the throne. And then again, in revelation 10 uh, there's also the, the explanation of the rainbow being um, before the, the throne as well. And these are things that oftentimes gets missed, but there's some real symbolism. And again, I'm giving you some very, Again, simple things um, to to go out and and look at in in, in your own study time. But uh, if you you know in 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 Isaiah chapter eleven, there's a in verse two, it tells us a little bit about about the the spirit of the Lord, right? And let me just read that to you real quick, and I think I've got it here. Of course I don't. Um, Just kind of going back and forth through different scriptures. Let me see if I can pull this up quickly. So um, Isaiah chapter 11, verse two says, well, I'm sorry, one. There shall come a, a rod from the stem of Jesse and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. The seven spirits of God, and so uh, again, there these are things that um, are really interesting because the seven spirits of God are represented by those uh, by the rainbow and I can share some things you know in regards to even people who have had experiences where they literally see the different colors of the rainbow when a particular you know move of the spirit is moving maybe when there's a spirit of knowledge right uh, or when there's a, um, a fear of the Lord or a, you know, or, or counsel or whatever. And, and so you can actually go from left to right and, and see these. And they're really very similar to the, um, if you can picture, you know, in the Ark, um, you know, in the, in the Holy of Holy places, or I should say in, in, the, in the temple, one of the things was there was a candlestick, and that's seven candles, Right. And so those seven candles really can very well represent the seven spirits of the Lord. And you see each color going throughout. And so the very middle candle would be the spirit of the Lord, right? Because it's the main candle. If you ever see, uh, it's called a menorah, the, the the candlestick, um, all the candles feed off of the one. So the one in the middle is the spirit of the Lord. That's the main candle. And then um and that would be green right and then you have um um, starting from the you know inside out you have uh, wisdom let's see let me just go back to the scripture the spirit of wisdom and understanding so you have the outermost on the left side wisdom and the right side understanding right and then you go into the second one's in On the left, the spirit of counsel. On the right, might. And then you go to the third one in, right? One that's closest to the the middle one, you have the spirit of knowledge. And and on the right side, the fear of the Lord. And so there is this combination of all of these coming together that begins to really put together the uh, whole idea of the seven spirits of God. And God wants us to know what that is. He wants us to really dig in. And again, I know we're at about twenty-five minutes here, so I'm really running out of time. I was really thinking this was going to be like I could really go through it quick. I guess I can't do anything quick. But I want to. I want to challenge you to go to Isaiah eleven two, to to study those things, to look at the rainbow, to understand. That, you know, if you go to Revelation and see it in chapter four and understand that these are all symbols that God is wanting to speak to us because they all represent who he is. And he wants. Remember, the whole idea is that we would intimately begin to know him and experience him and begin to build in our intimacy. That's the whole idea. You know. There has been a season of time where the church has, you know, and, 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 I, and I want to be careful that I don't include everybody, but because I know there's not everybody, but it's easy just to do doctrine. Right. Do this. Don't do that. Do that. Don't do this. And it's easy to say, you know, OK, you can be this and you don't be that and do that. And that is not what God is trying to trying to achieve. Relationship is the highest place in the kingdom he builds relationship look at the lord's relationship with his disciples the idea was that god is with us he is with you he wants you and i to know him he doesn't just want us to know about him he doesn't want us to just know things he doesn't want us just to follow a bunch of rules that's not the idea the idea is to know him and that's why I'm presenting this because I want you to know him and knowing him means to dig in there and search it out. You know, as a scripture declares in Proverbs that it's, you know, it's the glory of God to, to conceal a thing and it's the glory of kings to search it and find it out. Right. You and I are the kings. It's like, you know, God is putting this over and over again in in the natural for us to understand If you want gold, you're not just going to be able to walk down the street and see it laying around. You're going to have to dig for gold. Anything that's precious, right? Any treasures, the Lord has hidden them in the earth. And the idea is the same with his kingdom. He has hidden these things because he wants you to search them out and find them out. And the greatest of treasures are the ones that we have to dig for. And so I'm giving you some of the treasures to go dig for. Go dig for the seven spirits of God, right? Go dig for the rainbow. You know, go and dig for these the four living creatures. Go and dig. That's what this is about. That's what Revelation is about. It's about knowing him. It's about experiencing him. He loves us and wants us to experience him at the greatest and the deepest levels possible. Not just to be able to quote who the Antichrist is and what the Mark is. That's not the idea. And so I just want to encourage you, be encouraged, take this and really begin to seek the Lord. Ask him to show you, ask him to direct you. He'll do that. I look forward to coming back next week and we'll dig in and uh, spend those last three weeks highlighting these three these three churches and we'll finish it up, okay? Talk is a ministry of Hope For You International, a 501c3 nonprofit organization You can find us on the web at thankfultoday.com and gtalk.info. You can also find us on Facebook at The Thankful Today.